this morning, as we have um, come here uh, together, I'm going to ask you if you would uh, just kind of reference Romans chapter 5, and um, as you do, uh, verse uh, 10, uh, for since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son, uh, while we were still sinners... See here, while we were still sinners, we're not staying sinners. I'll make sure uh, <laughs> we uh, we were still his enemies. Uh, we were cert- we will certainly be saved through the death of his or the life of his son, as we were uh, delivered. And so, Amen. Well, you know, I'm uh, I don't want to draw attention to anything. I'm just going to ask you to just pray me through this morning. I'm having some headaches and. Uh, some vision issues here a little bit. So uh, I believe God's given me a word to share with you, and I want to do that effectively. Amen. How many know God's greater uh, than our challenges? Amen. God is greater than our challenges. Amen. So it might take me a little moment or two to get uh, get my motor running here. and uh, But uh, I thank God today for uh, the new life that I have in Christ. Uh, And uh, while I'm getting revved up here, I just want to make a note, housekeeping note, because I know uh, these type of things sometimes become uh, mystical or mysterious. After 17 years, Robin uh, sold her PT Cruiser. So, okay. So, if you're looking and saying, whose car is that out there? That's her car. And uh, she got another car. We got, and uh, we got a good used deal. Good deal. We didn't get used, but it was a good deal on a used uh, gas-efficient car. So you may see that car around here. I believe someone in Littlestown uh, purchased it. So you may see it. And in, and in that case, if uh, someone is uh, speeding or breaking the law, it's not robbed anymore. And, uh, and uh, so... Anyhow, you know, I'm thinking about what it would look like to uh, look at something through a shattered lens. You know, if you've ever tried to do that, and uh, you you have to understand, you would have to believe that everything would be distorted and nothing would be as it is. And you know, when, when when man fell and man sinned, when Adam sinned, uh, the lens was shattered, and uh, his uh, his uh, view, his perspective, his uh, the, you know everything was distorted. You know we see things differently. How many of you know in your own life before you came to Christ that you saw things differently than you do today? Anybody? You know the the devil will always tell you. Uh, you're not hurting anybody else when you live a life apart from God. Uh, and that's one of the distortions of that shattered lens to lead people to believe that they can um, live a life uh, apart from God and it doesn't really matter, and it does matter. So, you know, this morning I was um, watching a little, well, I'm reading, not actually watching, a little news about the uh, city of Mario, I don't know how you say it, Mariopel, 
and um, a city of 430,000 people. A, uh, I believe it's a tourist city, but it was, it's been largely reduced to rubble. Uh, and they had somebody on this morning saying that it would uh, be 40 to 50 years, if ever, for the city to rebuild. And, uh, you know, and all the people that have uh, been killed and maimed and injured. And, you know, I think of how terrible that is. And uh, I can't imagine, can't imagine what that's like. Can't, can't imagine. I, I thought about what it would be like here if that were to happen. We can't imagine. We've never lived through that. We have no comprehension whatsoever what that would be like. Some of you have served in the military and you've seen a great many things, but I'm, I'm just thinking today to think about city after city in our country being annihilated, uh, being utterly destroyed and being helpless to do anything about. I'm not here to make a political statement. I couldn't care less about politics this morning or even uh, dictators. or I don't care much about that. All I really can think about is the fact that, you know, the destruction that had been caused by sin in the life of every believer is far worse than the physical destruction that we see here in the natural realm. Because, uh, you know, we are dead in our trespass and sin. And, uh, you know, I think about how um, we think about what life is apart from God, and there is never a bottom to depravity. There's no bottom. You, you know what I mean by that? Sometimes you see evil and you think, well, there couldn't be any worse than that. And then something else comes along and very quickly and shows us, oh, it can get worse. And it's just this bottomless darkness that just uh, the descent. And, uh, you know, there are people who might be recognized as good sinners and people who are regarded as notorious or infamous sinners. But the fact of the matter is a sinner is a sinner. And if a sinner, regardless of the degree that we would view them, dies without Christ, they die lost. You know, people think, well, I wasn't bad when I, before I came to Christ, and so the change in my life is really not nearly as profound as it would be in the life of someone who was immersed in, dark, in deep darkness. And i got to tell you, that's only because your pride tells you that. Because if you can live this thing as close to what grace can produce without God, then then he wasted his time coming to this earth. No one can live this life unless they are brought out of the darkness and into the light. And I heard someone say it doesn't matter how deep or how shallow the pit of sin was for you, you know, neither can get out of the pit without God's grace. Whether you came out of a deep pit or what you might believe to be a shallow pit, um, just shows us the power of that. So today, when I think about friendship with God, you know, you have friendships in life, and as you do, you think about those friendships and how there are different types of friendships that you have. And I'm not going to go into a detailed description of all the different kinds of friendships that I can think of, but I'd like to uh, just for a moment think about the fact that uh, there is a friendship offer to us that's 
not like any other friendship we'll ever find. It's that friendship with God. And man was created, and as we shared this with you a couple of weeks ago, when we see how far the darkness extends and how deep it can go and, and, and even beyond that, we understand that that is tragedy beyond understanding because God created man to be a friend. He created man for relationship. You know, from the very beginning, it was God's design and purpose to create mankind to be a friend. You know, that, that's a beautiful thought that our creator made us and designed us to be his friends. How many of you are honored by that? If you're not, you should be on your face before God today, asking for the humility needed to recognize how profound that is. And I'm not being harsh. I'm just simply saying God afforded, God offered, he, God owed us nothing. And he gave us everything. How many know it's a blessing to know you're not, you're going to heaven instead of hell today if you know Jesus? How many know you didn't do one thing, nor did I, to secure that other than to say, God, I surrender to you. I give you my heart. You didn't shed one drop of blood, nor did I, to secure our redemption. You didn't do one religious deed that secured your salvation, nor did I. Jesus did everything in total, and I put my confidence complete and solely in him to redeem and, and to fix me. How many here know today it was Jesus who fixed you? You were broken by sin and Jesus fixed you. And God always wanted to fix you. God always wanted to fix me. You know, it's one thing to run around and pronounce judgment on everybody else. But that's really not the heart of God, right? It's not your call nor mine to judge others. Oh, that doesn't mean that there isn't righteous judgment that begins in God's house among as directed by God's word. It just means as we look at the world, we can identify man's, but ultimately they will stand before him, not before me. Aren't you glad that you won't be the one seated at, at the gavel making those decisions? Because, you know, I'm not qualified to do that. You know, the worst of things is, the worst of people is really going to be consigned to the judgment of God. Until that day, we, we pray that God will give us a, a view of grace that's greater than our theology allows us to, to embrace. You know what I mean by that? Somebody, I, I do, a, Robin and I do a, a, a service after this, nursing home service, and the one gentleman asked me after the service, well, the last time, he said, hey, uh, would you mind, as we pray for Ukraine, can we pray for Putin? Oh, it sounds pretty novel, doesn't it? But how many of you, after sitting and watching about an hour or five minutes of the news, find it a little more difficult to pray? Anybody else? Oh, God, save that. I pray that's our heart. I pray, that's, I pray that's my heart, because i got to tell you, I think more than one occasion I was probably in, a, in agreement with some of those who were praying that God would raise someone up to take him out. And I mean, I still would like to see him removed. <laughs> but I would love to see him get saved first. 
to know Jesus. See, we say that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, but sometimes in our minds we think some people are more bro- too broken to be fixed. You know, we, we may say that we don't feel that way, but I think down in the depths sometimes we, we do feel like there are people who are too broken to be saved. You know, I've shared this before, and I'm going to just kind of dial this in. I'm just talking about the brokenness that was brought about by man's sin. You know, sin came through one man, and death came by sin to all people. And, you know, it was through that first Adam that death came, and through the second Adam, who was Christ, that we were, we were justified and set free, set free and justified. But I, you know, like I said, I've, I never forgot this conversation because it, it really challenged me, not so much that it made me look at them and uh, question them as much as it maybe made me question me. Uh, they were talking about some people in the community um, who might not fit in with, not here, this is not here. We always talk about it after we leave. So actually, I've been here longer than any church I've served in. So let me just eclipse that record. So you can say, okay, you've been here long enough. Now you can go. But anyhow, but I look back and um, I said, um, you know, those kind of people aren't churchable. In other words, they're of no benefit to us because they're not churchable. And, you know, this, this was coming out of the mouths of leadership, strategizing and targeting what it was that we were trying to build. And if you remember last week, I made a statement, maybe you didn't, you know, that sometimes we have these grandiose ideas about how church should be done, and we really talk like fools. When we look at people and say they're not churchable, you know, I looked at them, but you know what? I had to look at myself because deep, with, deep beneath the skin of this man, do I ever look at people and say, you know, we, we like poster-ready church people. Oh, they'll fit in good here. <laughs> we'll get on the street and recruit them to come up here. Because they're plug and play, and we can get them in here. You know, we don't, we don't, we're not really reaching the unchurched because they're too broken. They're too much of a mess. There's too much involved. We talk about discipling, but if we're not reaching people, who are we discipling? How many of us are are, are casting nets out there and drawing people in? as God fills the nets. And, you know, there's no one to disciple. I mean, we just keep discipling each other. And that's okay. We need that till the day we die. But, you know, God wants us to have a spiritual nursery too. How many think Bethel needs a good, strong spiritual nursery? And that doesn't mean you stay in it for 30 years. Right? That's for newborns. (laughs) Because we believe God intends for them to grow and to advance. And so, you know, Abraham believed God and he was called uh, God's friend because of his faith. James 2.23, Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness and he was called the friend of God. 
John 15, 13 through 15, as we look, greater love has no one than this, than to lay down his life for one's friends. If you are my friends, you are my friends if you do what I command. You know, what does that mean? Uh, that, what that means is if we profess a relationship with the Lord, he says the evidence is really brought forth in your obedience. You know, we have gotten to the point where we think that any talk of obedience is legalism, and that's not true, because Jesus just said it wasn't. He said, you're my friends if you do what I command. And we don't do what he commands because we have to do it, but it's been that which has changed within us that gives us the desire to obey him. You know, the proof is in the, is both, the internal proof is the witness of God within us. The external proof to others is really the, the, the works and the obedience that come forth from it. How many know that your works serve as an indicator to others that there's something in your heart that has happened? You know, it's not so much that we're justified by our works, but certainly it provides others with with a view of what this is really all about in the sense that we're not working to work to try to appease and please an angry God, but it is a joy to serve him. How many here find it to be a joy to serve the Lord, to live this life for, for, for him? And he says, you are my friends if you do what I command. He says, I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know what his master business is. He says, instead, I have called you friends for everything I learn from my father I have made known to you. We were created to be his friends. That's so, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this because I did last time and that's why I don't finish sometimes and I don't want to go back to that, uh, that portion total. The Bible says in Genesis 1.27 that God created human beings in his image. In the image of God created he them, both male and female. And that word means shadow. You know, how many, I, you know, there were times when Jonathan was a little boy that, uh, you know, people would say that he was his father's shadow. I mean, and there was one time I remember that my shadow was so inseparably close. And, you know, I, I, uh, he's, you know, how many of you have ever gotten un, unrighteously irritated at your kids? I know if you're like me, you'd have to think uh, which ones were righteous and not righteous. But he was following me and pesting, pesting me, and I turned around, I was washing a hose, and I squirted him with it. And I remember he got a, his bottom lips poked out and he began to, you know, and my heart was broken. I couldn't pick him up fast enough and hold him and tell him how much I loved him and, and how happy I was to have him there, all except for that one moment. And we've been given free will. You know, what you do here today is not because you are forced or coerced or manipulated to worship him, to praise his name, to pray, to receive from the word of God. How many here you came free of will because you hungered for more of God? You wanted to come together with others of faith to lift up the name of Jesus and to praise his name and to, to receive from his word because you're hungry for him. 
How many here came hungry for God today? See, if you fill up on the garbage of the world, your appetite for God's not so great. If you eat a lot, you know, I got to tell you, uh, I bought, we have our grandson, number one, number one with us today. I tell him that all the time. You're number one because uh, he is. He was the firstborn. And uh, bought him some chocolate chip cookies and chocolate milk and, and uh, what is the other thing? Zebra cakes. <laughs> and uh, I got to tell you, those cookies were really good. And uh, we're not automatons. We're not robots. We choose, we choose to love him because he loved us first. You know, Satan, he led Adam and Eve down the wrong road. And they followed because he, su- he suggested to them that God's directives were, were unclear and they couldn't be trusted and that God's divinity was threatened by the fact that they might choose to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. He gave us intellect, knowledge, wisdom, and understanding, and man's uh, intellect was corrupted and became evil. Genesis 6, 5 says, then the, then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart were uh, evil continually. The Bible says also in Romans 1, professing to be wise, they became fools. God gave us the ability to have emotion as he has, John eleven thirty five, 35, uh, a, a few words, Jesus wept, or two words, Jesus wept. He stood outside the, the tomb of Lazarus and he wept. He stood looking out over the city of Jerusalem and he wept and he felt emotion. In Proverbs six sixteen, it says, there are six things which the Lord hates. And he gives a list of those things that he hates. And I suggest it'd be good to read that. Ephesians 4.30 says, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit can be grieved. 1 John 4.18, Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. That's the proof right there. We can talk about how much we love God, but if that doesn't translate into this type of love, this type of profession comes into question. How many know that? You know, the world doesn't care how much you know about the Bible. They want to see how, how much your life really reflects Christ. You know, they want, to, they want to see Jesus. In fact, they really don't want to see us. They want to see something better than us. They need to see Jesus. Psalm 104 Uh, Verse, I think, 31, the the glory of the Lord shall endure forever. The Lord shall rejoice in his works. You know, when uh, the people complained in Numbers 11, it says that uh, the Lord, uh, his anger was kindled. And yet we're told that he is slow to anger. We're told that his judgment is righteous and measured. God experiences pleasure, and he gave us that. But you see, he gave us pleasure as he takes pleasure in righteousness and transformation and and all of the things that grow from relationship with him. You know, how many of you know that through the broken, fallen nature of man, the, 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 the desire for pleasure became twisted? 
And now the fallen man takes pleasure in evil rather than taking pleasure in God. You think about that, good things have been corrupted, you know, and if I might use this word, and I know we don't like to use it so much in church anymore because it might not be uh, politically correct, but, you know, sexual activity, sexual intimacy, that was a gift. Given for husband and wife. Well, we don't like to delve into that. It's too contrary. It's not a controversy in God's word, right? It's only a controversy to us because we got too much politics going on. Too many agendas. There's one word here and it isn't yours and it isn't mine. It's God's word. Come on, church. Bible says in 1 Kings 3.10, and the, and the speech pleased the Lord uh, that Solomon had asked this thing. God took pleasure in Solomon's request for wisdom rather than riches and power. God's spirit, and he gave us spirit. God's not limited by space or time. Uh, there's no way to measure him. He is, he is spirit, and he, we are spirit. Come on, how many of you believe that you're spirit today? Because if you don't, you have no hope when they lay your body into the ground. You have none. Zero. I've done a lot of funerals over the years. I've done hundreds of probably over 37 years, and I've never put one believer's body in the ground where I didn't encourage people to expect a resurrection. Would you like me to do that if I do yours? I never tell them, hey, this is the last time you've seen mom or dad or husband or brother or sister. Because the Bible says to be absent from the bodies, to be present with the Lord. I share this all the time. I mean, I must share it twice. For, for the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first, and then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with him in the clouds, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. You see, uh, those who have gone on before us aren't just, they're not merely disembodied spirits. But God's, they have, their spirit has gone on to be with the Lord. I don't believe, I'm not looking for people, I'm not trying to communicate with anybody. They're not disembodied spirits kind of floating around and saying, hey, I'm here. You say, well, that, that upsets me because I'm, I, I talk to my great-grandma frequently. I don't want to be hurt you or anything. I'm not... I just want you to have even a higher level of comfort than what you already have because you don't need the spirit of great-grandma. You need Jesus. You need the Holy Spirit. Come on, church. If you don't believe that, then you ought to get in line with those down at Gettysburg that are walking down there trying to talk to some spirit all the time. You ever think how stupid we really are? We don't believe in God, and yet we walk, trade something down through Gettysburg looking to see something move or something fall or something, I don't know. For me, I would suggest rather than wasting your time at this kind of uh, waste of money and time, 
Just to go check out all the ice cream shops. <laughs> you get something tangible for that, five pounds. John 4.34, but the hour is coming and now is when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father seeks such to worship him. God is spirit and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. When you get saved, the spirit bears witness with your spirit that you become a child of God. Come on, church. Oh, I need a sign. God says, I've given you one, my witness in your heart that you're saved. You know how he can do that? Because you're a spirit, he's spirit, and he speaks. That's the way he speaks. I'm almost done here. See, I'm starting to feel a little better now. A uh, little bit. I got to tell you, thank God for, I appreciate your, your, your prayers. I'm pretty transparent with most things, except for the things I don't want you to see. <laughs> And uh, I don't mind telling you when I need prayer. That doesn't mean go call somebody and tell them after church that, you know, when I first had these issues with my head, I had people, honestly, honestly, telling people that I, I had brain cancer, you know. I got to tell you, I, I don't think I do. <laughs> no, I don't. But I'm going to say, don't, don't do that. That hurts things. It's not necessary. I mean, I had people actually come up and say, hey, I heard you had brain cancer. I think, really? You've got to have a brain to have that. <laughs> then God saw everything that he had made, and indeed, it was very good. So the evening and the morning were the sixth day. In fact, if you want to say anything, you say, our pastor's so blessed, he's out of his mind. <laughs> For as many by... One man's offense, uh, for as uh, by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. So one man's obedience, many were made righteous. God created us to live without dying. And sin messed that up. Sin made it impossible for the body to live forever in the, in the manner that it had been created. The flesh corrupt was corrupted. The body was aging, subject to adversity. The ground was cursed. All creation was subjected to the, uh, to the failing disposition of sin. Every facet of our existence was condemned to death, Romans 5.12. I'm not going to... Friendship with God was broken. Of all the things that man lost, we'll never, we may not understand it, but the thing that, he, that man lost that was the greatest loss of all was his relationship with God. Because when you look at all the other things, you know, there are a lot of people who may have a lot of those things, but they don't have a friendship with God, and they're, oh, they're the emptiest people on the planet. Oh, you say, well, they look pretty happy. You know, when you stuff your life and you're able to live from experience and pleasure, and there's nothing wrong with pleasures and experience, but when you live for those things and they're your Lord, there's a day when that ceases to bring satisfaction because we realize that we're terminal and those things are limited. In Genesis 2.25, not only was the relationship with God broken, but the relationship between the man and his wife were broken because up to this point, there was no shame between them. 
No shame between them. And the Bible says, and, there, and then after this, their eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. Adam, when sought out by the Lord, and the Lord knows where he is. How many know God knows everything? I heard your voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself, and man has been hiding from God ever since. Man's been hiding from the truth. He can't stand to see what he knows is there, and he lives denying it. He lives burying it and trying to conceal it. Adam and Eve were conscious of their nakedness toward one another, and they themselves saw that nakedness extend far beyond their physical experiences. Sin not only affected the relationship with God, it shattered the holy intimacy that man and wife knew. Guilt does not make for a welcome guest in any relationship. It introduced shame, lust, infidelity, treachery into any relationship. It doesn't make for a good third party because there is no third party. The only third party there should be is the first is God and we husband, wife, man, woman, right? How many are okay with me saying man, woman, husband, wife? That kind of worries you a little bit because someone might be watching online and say something nasty. I would rather they than God. Their household was not subject to the effects of sin that the curse brought upon them, but dysfunction and death came. Their hearts were corrupted. The image of God within them was shattered. Paul talks about the wretched man that he became and needed deliverance from in Romans 7. In the Garden of Eden, man had been alive spiritually and uh, physically and was able to pass life on to his children. But then when he had sinned deliberately against God, he lost his innocence. He became afraid of God, spiritually dead and physically dying. I set all that up to say this. Man is terribly broken. But God wondrously saves. You know, I know people who uh, over the years, I've had people sit uh, in my office. I had one man sit in my office, not here again. I always talk about uh, those. This was many years ago. He sat in my office and he said, if, I, if you knew what I have done, you wouldn't be talking to me. And uh, I mean, as long as he wasn't there to kill me, I could let him stay. But uh, he, uh, I said, you know, I might care what you did. It might be a challenge for me to deal with, but God is delighted you're here. I mean, no, God loves when a broken soul recognizes a need to be fixed, to be made whole. Man became afraid of God. He hid from God. Now as part of the curse, we see that Eve would bear children and in pain. Everyone would die physically. Romans 5, 12 through 14 is a good scripture there. Man was to have dominion over the earth, and we see how that's working out, right? Uh, the ground was cursed with thorns and thistles, and you know, because of man's persistent corruption and violence, God covered the entire earth with a flood. 
morality, God gave man a moral nature. He gave him a moral sense, but up until this point, his his moral senses were right. But when he sinned, his moral senses became corrupted. And the Bible talks about, you know, woe to those who call evil good and good evil. And that's what fallen, the fallen nature produces. You ever wonder why the world celebrates evil? It's the fall of man. People say, well, if God really loved man, he shouldn't have given him the freedom to do such. You know, here's the thing. God loves us enough to give us that freedom. And he loved us even more to die for us to be restored. Man's early history, Cain kills Abel, right? And we just see that the earth became filled with violence and man's thoughts were corrupt. His personality, his intellect, emotions, will, communication were all given gifts. He gave man a mind to think and man lost the ability to think and perceive things rightly. Man's mind became futile and darkened, Ephesians 4.17. Man's heart became foolish and dark, Romans 1.24. God gave man over to a reprobate mind. Today, as I wind down through here, I want to just say, as broken as man has been, God has been better. I mean, how many of you really, I, I, I'm not, I don't mean this in a demeaning way, but, you know, how many of us really understand when we worship here, it's not about whether you like the song or not. You know how stupid that is? We've been saved. Come on, that means if you need to make something up and sing a diddly to God, sing it. Oh, I just don't like the beat. You know what? Get over it. Right? I think some of those beats are kind of pretty neat, actually. Don't you think beats can be neat? Except for the kind they try to make you eat. See, that's just a gift of poetic license coming out right now. Man's speech is as corrupt and as deadly as the grave. Searing as fire. You hear the way we talk to one another? The way we talk about one another? Oh, Lord, I'm I'm so concerned about Sister Sally and Brother Bubba. As Lord, I saw them talking to each other last week. Everybody get that? Last week, caught them touching, talking to each other, Lord. And I kind of feel like the spirit of discernment you gave me kind of leads me to believe that there's something going on there. Did you all get that? And Lord, there may be something going on. Please set them free. We don't need that kind of prayers. Pack them up, put them in your bag, and out the door. Come on, church. Oh, it's just holy concern. No, it isn't. <laughs> it's your old nature crying for attention and using prayer as a hijacking prayer as a tool to get it. You say, Pastor, you're kind of edgy today. <laughs> no, not really. I want to move down. God died, gave his son to restore this relationship. 
I like this scripture. If you're hanging with me, I know I'm not very energetic right yet, but God's word's alive, right? I've never been in church where I didn't, when God's word was, pre- I didn't care who was, pre- oh, I don't, you know, I don't get this and I don't get that. You know, so what? Listen to the word. You're not here to be entertained. Right? Oh, they're such great, they got such a charisma, big deal. If they don't have the Holy Spirit, who cares how much charm they got? Jeremiah 18, so I did as he told me and found the potter working at the wheel. But the jar he was making did not turn out as he had hoped, so he crushed it into a lump and started over again. How many of you, God, has done that? I mean, he could have just thrown you out. He could have just thrown me out and said, hey, he's not worth it. I'm just getting a whole new batch and lump, and I'm getting rid of him. God says, hey, no, no, I'm going to work on this lump and I'm going to make something beautiful out of it. Aren't you glad? He gave you beauty for ashes, the oil of what, the joy? Man, today as I come down and I think about what God's done in my life, Romans 3.24, it says, Yet in God in his grace freely... Tammy, you want to... Or Brian, whoever's on standby. I'm going to think, who, who, am I, who are you, Brian? Did you change your name? Uh, yet God in his grace freely makes us right in his sight. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty of our sin. I am restored by his death. I am restored by his death, and I am justified in his resurrection. Come on, church. I want to ask you something. God brought, he's restoring that broken lens he's making you, making us new. Says we're we're not yet there all the way, but when we see him, we shall be like him. Boom. You know, God is making me. I am whole in him positionally. I am justified. But how many of you are still growing in your relationship with the Lord? You're still maturing. If you're not maturing, you're in that 30-year nursery stage. Amen? See, you don't really have to teach a baby anything. Well, not really much of anything. You just stick a pacifier in its mouth, and it's happy. When you get older, a pacifier won't do because you want something a little more substantive. I was shocked, you know, when Frankie's sitting in the back seat of Robin's uh, new car, newer car. Don't get all worked up. I've had people over the years, hey, did you... Why, why, what, I had a red car one time. I got rid of it because people were so concerned about it. That's true. I let myself be drawn into that bondage years ago. You've got a red car. You're a preacher. You can't drive that. Okay, I'll get black. And I'll paint the bumper. You know that's true, right? 
What? Yeah, she liked it. I said, hon, we got to get rid of this thing. They're talking. <laughs> but anyhow, i got to just tell you this real quick before I... Remind me about uh, Frankie. Yeah, but I just want to say this is how out of it she was. Um, you know, I'm, I'm kind of transparent except for when I don't want to be. Um, my, uh, my kids, they don't always... They don't let me drive their kids. They don't. Not, and they, they were reluctant before. <laughs> and uh, just because of uh, vision and some other head issues, uh, they, they always say, you know, uh, we love you, Dad, but we want Mom to drive when the kids are in the car. That ticked me off at first. I, I really, my pride took a, took a hit on that one. I said, yeah, I won't tell you what I said. I got over it, though. So I was sitting in the passenger seat, and Frankie's in the back, and, and uh, Robin's driving her, her almost new car. And I looked over, and it's, it's a hybrid. It's not a plug-in. I can't afford to plug-ins. And this one's used. We've got a good bit of money. Uh, but I need for gas mileage when I do calls and visiting or Robin. It just works better when you get 59 miles to the gallon rather than 5 or 10. And so um, I'm sitting there and I'm looking at the uh, dash and uh, I saw this number, 90.5. And I said, Robin, look, we get 90.5 miles per gallon. And then she said, no, that's the radio station. And uh, so, but it was kind of a bummer. I was hoping for the 90.5, but. But anyhow, Frankie's sitting in the back, and you know, I got to tell you, for a while, I was concerned about Frankie because uh, his love language is destroying things, and uh, you know, just being nonstop aggressive, and uh, and uh, but you know, as he's grown up, he's he's going to turn eight, you know, and he's sitting in the back seat of the car, and he's asking these questions that are really. Kind of, I was impressed with. It doesn't take much for me, but I was impressed with some of the things that he was asking and saying. And I, and I just thought to myself, you know, no more, no more um, pacifiers for him. I mean, he hasn't had them for a while, but uh, no more for him. He's grown into a big boy now. He's still going to be sitting in a car seat till he's 26, but he's a big boy now. And I just took a lot of pleasure in seeing the growth. Our Father loves to watch us grow. People say God wants to stifle us and to control us. That's not God. God just wants to watch us grow, become he wants, to, he wants to share and sow dreams and watch us become dreamers. And he wants us to live with joy and laughter of heart and fullness of joy. He wants us to live with peace that passes understanding. He wants us to have dunamis power in our lives. He wants, us to, he wants to grow his fruit in us, through us. I'm going to ask you to stand with me, if you would, for a moment and just say, God, 
you know, I know we, we've fallen as a, as a human race, and this is a, a world that's been corrupted by sin and the fall. And yet, Lord, you've given us beauty for ashes in Christ, and I'm not condemned. In Christ, I am not condemned. There is therefore now no condemnation to us, right? Uh, we walk not after the spirit of the law of death, or we walk for the spirit of the law of life in Christ Jesus. Lord, we thank you today. We praise you today. We worship you. Lord, we don't lift our hands because that's what uh, the pastor or the song leader or the person beside us thinks we should do. But, Lord, we appreciate their lead. And, and yet, Lord God, we want it to be more than their lead. We want our hearts to just be so, uh, Lord, plugged into the spirit that has anointed them to, to lead us into where God wants us to go. On these Sunday mornings and when God speaks his word, I thank you that my fallen heart is not the only thing that I have to rely upon to receive what God has given me. He's given me revelation, truth and knowledge and understanding and insight and wisdom from above. And Lord God, I thank you that now in Christ, I am equipped to receive those deeper things that Lord 1 Corinthians 2 says, Lord tells us that, uh, Lord, that the, the, the spiritual things are, are foolish to the man of the natural mind. And yet we, are, we have the mind of Christ. And the spirit of the Lord moves in us. You know, we close here today. If you don't know the Lord and your life's a wreck, or maybe you've walked with Jesus and your life is a wreck now, you know, God wants to, he wants to help you. He doesn't want to destroy you. God didn't send his son into the world to condemn you, but that each one of us through him might be saved. He's a redeemer. He's a healer. He's a reconciler. Come on now. He's all these things. God can save. He can save everybody. He wants to save everybody. That doesn't mean everyone will be saved, but it means that God wants to save all because it says, for God so loved the world. That means everybody, right? Not just in my neighborhood or just not among my friends or my family, that God wants to save the world. And he gave his son to secure redemption for whoever would come to him. Lord, we just pray today if there be anybody here that has, uh, Lord, who would say uh, before you, not so much in front of me or anyone else, but Lord, uh, that my heart is a wreck. I've never really given my heart to Christ. I've tried religion a few times and have done my best to struggle through that. And yet, Lord, I'm empty and unhappy. And Lord, I don't see much transformation in my walk but Lord, today I just surrender to you, to your, you, you said that, Lord, we're that lump. And Lord, you will remold and fashion us into a, a life, Lord God, that is, uh, brings happiness and joy to both the clay and to the potter. Lord, I receive forgiveness through the shed blood of Christ that Jesus died upon the cross for my redemption. 
Lord, I'm not, Lord, embracing a religion. I'm not, Lord God, embracing a denomination. I am here today to say, Lord God, I need a Savior. I need my heart uh, cleansed. I need my life transformed. I need to be fixed. And I can't fix myself. And I surrender to you knowing that you gave your Son to die for me. And that, Lord, through his death... Lord God, that I have been saved and in his resurrection I have been justified because, Lord, he's not like all others who have died and been put in the grave eventually, Lord, and have have been left there. But he came forth in the resurrection morning. And I believe in Christ to be my Savior, my Lord. And I receive redemption, salvation, eternal life, spiritual life in Jesus' name. Lord, I pray, Lord, for anyone who's uh, living a life, Lord, uh, that is not really the life that you've chosen, uh, not the life you've chosen, Lord, that life that has, Lord, one foot in the world and one foot uh, in religion. Because, Lord, we will never have one foot in the world and one foot in relationship with God because God will not, uh, will not accept a dual mastership in our lives. He won't do it. We've got to choose between God and mammon, God and the spirit of the world. And, Lord, I just surrender to you. I don't know how to fix this. Lord, as I've walked away from you, run away from you, I don't know how to fix this. I don't know how to undo what's been done. I don't know. And Lord, I pray there'll be a freedom that will come today with knowing that we don't have to run back and fix everything. The Lord, that Jesus can begin the process of bringing us up out of that and into a healthy life and into a life of freedom and joy as he cuts off the sin and he cuts off the guilt and I walk in freedom. Praise your holy name. Praise your holy name. Glory to God. As Brian leads us here today in this song, can you just just bask in the presence of the Lord just for a few moments here and uh, just let the Holy Spirit massage into your heart something that comes from heaven today. Thank you for listening. You can find us online at BethelAG.com or on Facebook at Bethel Assembly of God, Littlestown, Pennsylvania. Our services are also live streamed every Sunday on our YouTube channel, Bethel AG, Littlestown, Pennsylvania.